When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. From props to parlays to totals and spreads, it's time for Odds and End Zones, a feature of the Fans First Sports Network. It's time to sweat it out. Here's your hosts, Ian St. Clair and Adam Malnati. Ian, I have to say, there was a strange malaise that settled itself over Soldier Field on Sunday. And as for those of you who maybe didn't listen to the last show, you you may have heard I did go to the game, uh, the Broncos and Bears game on uh, uh, week four. Uh, what I thought at the beginning of the season was going to be a game between two contenders and would be fun turned into a game between two contenders for the first pick in the NFL draft. And it was fun but not for the reasons that I had anticipated before. I took my son to his first game, and I have to tell you that at 28-7, to when the Denver Broncos scored, and I believe it was the Brandon Johnson touchdown, to make it 28-14, to not even the 28-21 to or the 28-28 to or anything. It was that early on in the comeback, there was a, a sort of fog that, enveloped the entire stadium bears and Broncos fans alike everyone like pretty sure something either bad was going to happen or disbelief that something bad could happen I I guarantee there is no way that I believed the Broncos were coming back and the guy sitting next to me told me after that touchdown that the Bears were going to screw it up and after 
the fumble recovery, return for a touchdown to tie the game. He didn't even look at me, and he he just shook his head and said, I effing told you, man. I I don't even know who this guy is. I felt like his therapist. It was uh it was it was sad. It was sad. And the, the worst part, I think, for me, sitting there with my son at his first NFL game, very excited that his team got the comeback win, you know, good for him. But the worst part for me was I looked around that stadium and I recognized myself in the Bears fans that I saw around us. I recognized Broncos country in the hopelessness that that fan base at Soldier Field was feeling from the moment they went down or from the moment the Broncos went down 28 to 14 and scored that touchdown to get just a little closer the hope was gone it is as the uh the people of of Richmond might say it is the hope that kills you uh, and I got to disagree with Ted Lasso on this the hope does not make those people any stronger because they don't have it What's fascinating is that comeback win after having Washington come back from 24 points down in week two, the 21 point come from behind win is the second most on the road in Broncos history. Oh, I didn't know that. And it's interesting because there's two avenues of thought with this that they're going to come back to earth and play the way they did in the first half against the Bears, or they're going to be able to use what happened in the second half as a harbinger and a catapult to potentially go on a little bit of a run heading into the Jets in week five at home. And I think I know where you sit on this. I actually think they're going to be able to use this as a way to catapult it and be a harbinger to win their second game of the year. Because I just don't think the Jets are very good. Nathaniel Hackett is the offensive coordinator. It's Nathaniel Hackett on offense versus Nathaniel Hackett on defense. That's a, I mean, it's an excellent comparison. I, I, I definitely agree. When you said that, I almost asked, when you said they were going to get their second win, I almost asked uh, which week. Because, I, I you know, how far how far down the road are we, are we looking here? If that's not a... Uh, you know, sort of a tell of where this is going when we get to our discussion of the game and, and our score predictions. I don't know what is uh, it, it. Maybe the maybe the malaise and the sadness and the and the haplessness and hopelessness of Bears fans has rubbed off on me. I spent a Sunday at Soldier Field and now all of a sudden I'm you know, but I, I did. It felt like looking in a futuristic mirror. You know, if if they, you know, that you go to the fun house at the carnival and the you know, hall of mirrors or whatever, and you see like the goofy things, if there was a future mirror, I got really like concerned that what I was looking at was a mirror image of what the Denver Broncos fan base is going to be feeling in 10 years. The, the last time the bears went to the super bowl was 2005. The last time the bears won a super bowl was 1985. There were thousands of people at that stadium that had never seen their team even go to a Super Bowl, let alone win one, because it was 18 years ago. And I'm sure there was like maybe a thousand under 18ers there, something like that. How how could you possibly feel good about a team like that? And it didn't make me feel any better. That's the problem. I didn't feel any better about myself as a fan because I felt like I was looking at my future self. 
Like I, when when Bears fans talk to me, I imagine like that movie where uh, you know you go back in time and you try and tell yourself this is what your future is. Uh, that's how that felt. I, I I mean, I'm terrified for Christmas future if that's what it is. So I hope you're right and I'm wrong and that it's just the the that that sort of maybe I just it's contagious that feeling. But oh oh I gotta shake it off. I gotta I gotta find a way to to, to recenter here. Well, the reason the Bears are in this position, I've said this multiple times. Anytime I go on the Bears, this is what happens when you trade up to get Mitch Trubisky. They could have had Patrick Mahomes. They could have been the team to win two Super Bowls and be to three Super Bowls in four years. That could have been the Bears. But they traded up to get Mitch Trubisky. You know, we say that, and it's funny when you when you mention they could have gotten Mahomes and been the team to win. The, I, I will tell you, Bears fans honestly believe that if Pat Mahomes had been a Chicago Bear, he would already be on another team. He would be on the Mitch Trubisky trajectory. That they truly believe that. And I I wonder, I do wonder if that's true. I I don't, you know, we'll never know. One of those things where you just it's it's not a thing that'll ever happen. And whatever alternate universe there is where that's taking place, I wonder if Pat Mahomes on the Bears made them a great team, or if the Bears made Patrick Mahomes a terrible quarterback. I don't know. I, I but I well, know here, Bears fans believe that they, they would have made him a terrible quarterback. Here's the thing. The Bears better organization at that point than the Chiefs. Prior to getting Patrick Mahomes and him starting, the Kansas City Chiefs had never won the trophy named after their owner. They hadn't been to a Super Bowl since the late 60s. They were a worse organization than the Bears. The reason the Chiefs are where they are right now is Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Now, they would have had John Fox, but the Broncos' string of, of three years under John Fox is better than anything they've had the last seven years. So they would have been a successful franchise. That's how good Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah, I agree with you. I do agree with you. And, and I think just to sort of bring it back to uh, the Denver Broncos here, because that is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, when you look at that game, we learned a couple of things. I think one, we learned that the offense is, um, capable, uh, and, and not that we didn't see that earlier on in the season, but they are capable of, of stringing together some drives and, and scoring some points and, and have the ability to, to do things on offense that need to be done. And we've been learning that throughout the season. And the other thing that we learned is that Vance Joseph is, is terrible, just absolutely abysmal at his job and and I called out Patrick Sertan last week on the show because I didn't like what his daddy said I didn't like what Pat Sertan senior said about his son not deserving what was happening to him and I watched DJ Moore burn PS2 live and in person and I could see the smoke it was it was bad and I have to say that one of the things that I came away with was as good as some of these guys are, and and Patrick Sertan is a great cornerback, 
when you put guys in a bad system or in a system that they don't believe in, and that's what I'm getting at here, if they don't believe in the system that they run, they won't run it correctly. And that is something we've talked about ad nauseum. Coaches putting players in a position to be successful and being able to adjust what they do knowing that their players are the ones that have to go out there and execute. And you can do the whole, they're professional athletes and they've got to go out and, and execute and they've got to play to the best of their ability no matter what. doesn't matter. It does not matter. And I've literally seen it in person. If they don't believe in it, they won't execute. It doesn't matter how hard they try because they will second-guess themselves. They will second-guess their teammates. They will leave Cole Komet more open than a 7-Eleven at midnight. It is impossible to expect a defense to be capable of running a system that they don't believe in, and you can tell they don't believe in Vance Joseph and his system. Well, the thing that's so frustrating about all of this is it doesn't even seem like they wanted to address the problem on defense and free agency. They tackled the offensive line, which was great, but defensively, it just seemed like an afterthought. And for all the talk about how good Ajiro Evero was, there was a huge drop in defense in the second half of the season. So this isn't just some random out of the blue thing. This has been something that's been happening since the second half of last season. And now it's emphasized by the fact that the Broncos released Randy Gregory on Wednesday. One of the headline free agent signings by George Payton. They just completely released him, a la Brandon McManus. Nothing for him in return. He didn't do anything in his time with the Broncos except get hurt. He had a decent start last year, but when all this stuff was taken into account when they were picking the defensive coordinator, so now your edge position is even worse than it was technically than a year ago, before a year ago when they signed Randy Gregory. And my question is, you're, you're talking about Vance Joseph. Why does George Payton still have a job? What has he done that has actually made this team better since becoming the general manager? You know, that's an interesting question because I would argue he, he his job is is in title only and and Sean Payton has essentially taken over and, and my guess is uh George Payton will be I don't wanna I don't know if he'll be fired or if he'll be moved into a, a different role or, or what, but I, I don't think that George Payton is in charge anymore. Uh, of anything and I know they do the whole well they work together and blah 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 I, I, I don't believe that I believe it's Sean Payton's team and it will be moving forward and you know it, it all comes back to uh, you know decisions that were made that that just didn't work out and sometimes that's luck I, I think the Randy Gregory thing was a, was a uh, was a gamble you know what his his health history has been so you bring in a guy and you hope that he can right the ship so to speak and he wasn't able to do that. But, I mean, I saw that headline, and it was like, I, I tweeted it out. Often injured veteran is released to make way for young guys to work on a position with a defensive coordinator that they probably won't even be playing under next year. So uh, the move itself is sort of like, okay, I guess, like, fine. 
right? Fine. But so? I mean, that's so? Does it really matter? Is it going to change anything? No. no, of course not. So, I mean, the know. defense the, the defense isn't any worse off. But it, it just highlight it's just it, it's yet another glaring example of the incompetence of this franchise the last seven years. Like they can't do anything right. Yeah, I mean, I'll give I'll give Peyton credit. He's had he's had some decent drafts, but it's not like the bar was that high for the guy he was replacing. It's true. Careful now. Are we allowed to so, still do Elway hate? It, I get in as trouble a general for that. manager, of course. I get I get in trouble but for that. I it's just we're in this weird spot now, where it's just like, well, what now? And it was it's almost exactly like what happened after the Miami game, which, by the way, they lost seventy to twenty. I still can't believe that a, a professional defense gave up seventy points, and it and it should have been more. Mike McDaniel was nice. And didn't kick the ex- uh, the field goal, so uh, it it could have and probably should have been more. And then in the first half last week against the Bears, the Broncos defense made Pat or er, made Justin Fields look like Patrick Mahomes. He did look good too. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'll, I'll I'll be honest. If you told me right now that the Broncos could trade for Justin Fields and have him working under Sean Payton and playing behind Russell Wilson. I don't want to get rid of Russell Wilson. I'm not, I don't believe that Russell Wilson is the problem right now. But they could take him on and say, hey, we're going to give you a year or two behind a Hall of Fame caliber, Super Bowl winning quarterback to learn the system that Sean Payton runs. If you told me we could do that after what I saw on Sunday, I, I'd consider it. I'd think I'd be okay with that. Um, I don't... I don't know if that's just fool's gold or if it's, you know, I was sitting way up high in the north end zone, which was great seats, by the way. I could really see the whole field. But I, I he, he looked good. He makes all the throws. He makes all the throws. He just doesn't have a good offensive line or uh, the ability to process a, an NFL defense. Maybe he needs better teachers. Or, <laughs> or good coaching. Yeah, Eberflus is garbage. I, I here's the other thing I will say. Walking out of that stadium, I was screaming before that fourth and one where the Bears decided to go for it. Don't you have to kick the field goal? Don't you have to kick this field goal? Are you not going to kick the field goal? And then they take a meaningless timeout and run the ball when they could have just let the clock run all the way down, take the delay a game penalty. You still have your timeouts. You kick the field goal. The Broncos go down and score. The Bears have a chance to come back and and at least use their timeouts and maybe get into field goal range. You don't trust your offense after what they had done against this awful Broncos defense? I was shocked at how bad the coaching decisions were for the Bears going down. It was and as a Bronco fan, like you get that um secondhand embarrassment when you're with people who are getting upset. I I was like, "Oh, I'm so embarrassed that this is happening for you." We've said this before, and I said this in the things that we learned column after the game on Sunday. Coaches overthink everything. Anything and everything they can overthink, they do it. How every offensive coach, how every NFL coach does not follow what Philadelphia does with the tush push, I don't get it. 
Justin Fields could have picked up that first down easily by himself. But if you get some guys to push him like Philadelphia does with Jalen Hurts, they get the first down. It's not complicated. Why I don't understand why coaches at every level of sports, from peewee and Little League all the way up to the pros, they overthink it. It's not rocket surgery. I love that line. That's that's one of my favorite ones. Rocket surgery. Fantastic. I love it. You're right. It is it is interesting. All right. Let's um let's jump over and let's talk about the Broncos and Jets because that is a game that every single media outlet circled after Sean Payton's comments and Aaron Rodgers' little comeback and the whole you know, that whole like days of our lives drama. We all wanted to see it, and now it's lost a lot of luster with no Aaron Rodgers, but you still have Nathaniel Hackett coming into town. I, which Hackett is going to prevail, Vance Joseph or the actual Nathaniel Hackett, right? That's kind of the question there. But when we look at this game, we've we've got it. It's, it's, is this another pillow fight? Like I said before the Bears game, yes. pillow fights, right? Bad games turn into pillow fights that are fun to watch. I, I think we get the same thing here. And I'm just going to jump into my keys to the game because I think it's a, a big part of it. The The defense has to continue to step up. The defense has to be good enough to put an end to this conversation about is Zach Wilson figuring it out? Cause that seems to be the conversation no. right now. He's not, that was a fluke. Well, but, and again, the Broncos do a very good job of making horrible quarterbacks look like hall of famers. They cannot do that against Zach Wilson and this jets offense. And you mentioned him earlier and I'll let you mention him again, but they've got to be able to stop uh, the run. They've got to be able to, I, it's, the, the, the defense is the key to this one. The, the most important thing is to get pressure on Zach Wilson. He's one of those quarterbacks where against the Chiefs, he did a great job of getting the ball out fast. Like he was quick on his release and Collinsworth was quick to point it out. And I found it interesting, like after every throw, he's getting it figured out, Mike. No, he's not. But... I think the key to this game is Brees Hall. If Brees Hall is running like he did last year in this game when it was the Broncos and the Jets before he got hurt, the Broncos have no shot. Like, they need to be able to contain Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. They cannot run the football. Put the onus on Zach Wilson. But to me, the key to the game is kind of tied into yours, which – for a team, build off of what happened in the second half, especially offensively. The fact that the offense was able to look the way it did down three touchdowns is a testament to Russell Wilson in this offense. Now do it again. I think this is the most impressive stat that I have seen from a Broncos team since Peyton Manning. The Broncos have scored three times on their first drive of the game and not just scored touchdowns. So three touchdowns in four games on the first drive of the game. Do that again, but don't disappear, which is what they're apt to do. Look the way they did in the first half against Washington. Look the way they did in the second half against Chicago. Play a complete game. Blow the Jets out. 
which I would love to see because Nathaniel Hackett's coming in here with his goofy goatee. And I would also like to see the, the, the stands, the fans at mile high every single time. The play clock is under 10 for the Jets. They count it down. Just troll the bejesus out of Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets. Just an epic troll. So gets to 10. The fans start counting down. Nine, eight, seven, six. Would it be? So I, I do have I, th- I have a thought on that. Instead of counting it down from 10, Start at 10, but count it down maybe from five. So when it's at 10, you start counting five, four, three, two. Maybe, maybe you induce like a weird timeout somewhere. Like, don't ha- like figure out a way to make it so that you're not actually helping. You're trolling and you're not helping at the same time. Cause quite frankly, without the countdowns last year, uh, they wouldn't have got the snap off a few times. But I like, I like where your head's at. I just love the idea of just being super petty with Nathaniel Hackett. And, and why not? Everybody should show up with like a fake goatee on, you know, do some weird stuff, say some weird things, have a good time with it. Uh, gold I, I, member stuff since he loves gold member. Yeah. I, I, why not do it from 25? Like once the play clock is just reset, start counting. just start counting down. <laughs> that would be awesome. I If you're going to the game, just start, just start counting down the play clock. Just, I will say this. There were a couple of times on Sunday at Soldier Field where I started counting down the play clock and being like, Let's go. Let's go. Uh, five, four. <laughs> People were looking at me like I was crazy. I'm like, sorry. It's just a little uh, fan PTSD there. I apologize. I, I know that they've got to figure it out now. Or do they? I don't know. So, all right. Well, that being said, let's go players to watch. And and let's start on the defensive side of the ball because we both are sort of in that vein. What, uh, what do you got for me? I'm going to go with Nick Benito. The game that he had on Sunday, two and a half sacks, forced fumble, that led to the Jonathan Cooper touchdown. If he can start doing that consistently and Baron Browning coming back from injury, and we've seen flashes from him when he's been healthy and on the field, that's what this defense needs. It needs to get pressure on the quarterback to help out that secondary. So mine is Nick Benito and, and stringing together another game where he's making an impact. I like that. I'm, I'm actually going to go with the group, and it's going to be the defensive line because, again, we're talking about the ability to get uh, pressure up front and make life miserable for Zach Wilson. And at the same time, and, and you mentioned him, and it's it's got to be mentioned again, Brees Hall is, is going to be scary. And so you need the defensive line to plug holes. You need the defensive line to make stops. And so that pressure up front, I don't care. You pick a guy, doesn't matter to me, but the, whoever's on the defensive line, I think that's your player to watch there. Uh, offense? I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. For all of the flack that he caught last year, and deservedly so, he's played better this year. He has not been the issue. And I get it. There's going to be people talking about how it's not been perfect and there's been – moments in games where the offense has just completely like disappeared, but he has not been the issue. His numbers are on par with Patrick Mahomes and I get it. Patrick Mahomes hasn't played at an MVP level, but Russell Wilson has played great to start the season. Yards, touchdowns, lack of interceptions, success in the red zone. That's another thing that's been stellar to start the year. 
They were three for three on Sunday against the Bears in the red zone with three touchdowns. That was unheard of the last seven years before Sean Payton. So we're all we're already seeing the impact of Sean Payton and his offense. And I think that's the biggest reason why Russell Wilson has played better. But now it needs to be a complete game. We've seen it, we saw it in the first half against Washington, disappeared in the second half. We saw it in the second half against Chicago. Put a complete game together offensively. I like that. I'm gonna go with Jerry Judy. Um and partly because I think Jerry Judy is a guy who has all the potential in the world to be uh, an incredible wide receiver. And throughout his career in Denver, he has run into problem after problem. Obviously, injuries are a part of that. But I watched him drop a pass uh, against the Bears that hit him in the hands, in stride, that he could have turned up the field and gained another 20 to 25 yards on. He probably wouldn't have scored, but it would have been a real big play. And he is a guy who I think the offense would like to be able to rely on consistently. I'm not going to go in on him about the drops necessarily as far as he's terrible, get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. But he needs to contribute. And for a couple of reasons. One, he'll help the team win, which I suppose I like. Because if they're going to win, go ahead and win games. I'm fine with that. But the other side of it, and the thing that I think is uh, important here to kind of keep on the back burner It'd be nice if you have to, to be able to trade him and say, look how good this guy is. Uh, We need the highest possible draft pick for him or draft picks for him, whatever you can get. And uh, you could say the same thing about Cortland Sutton, although I think Cortland Sutton has performed very well this season, aside from the two fumbles against Miami, although that's one of those games that I kind of have decided to just throw away in my mind. It's like, put it in the cupboard, close the door. It's in the back. It's on the back of the shelf. We know it's there. We don't have to talk about it. And the things that happen there are gone. Right, it was that was just an all around ugh, right? Kind of like Jacksonville in ninety five, ninety six. I mean, you and didn't then have you didn't Baltimore. Have to, you didn't have to. You don't have to do that. <laughs> Super Bowl forty eight. <laughs> a Super Bowl against the 49ers. Oh my gosh! So I got a story for you, real quick. Just tangent. Uh, I work with a guy, Bears fan. He comes into my classroom this morning. You guys know I'm a teacher, and uh, I'm getting ready for the day. And he he asked me, he says, "What what are your two favorite Super Bowls of all time?" And I, you know, I'm thinking, I, I said, it's pretty simple for me. It's, you know, it's 32. Elway gets his first and, you know, as Bronco fans, we get ours. And, uh, and then, you know, the second one, I, I lean towards the Peyton Manning Super Bowl 2015, but it could be Super Bowl 33. That was also fun. And he says, yeah, mine's 85, the 85 bears. That was, that was awesome. And my, uh, my second favorite Super Bowl is 1989 when the 40, and he did it on purpose, 1989, 55 to 10. I was like, why are you just like, he was just salty about the fact that the Broncos beat the bears. That that was all that was. He was just salty about that. And he wanted to rub salt in my, in the wounds. And, and so I changed mine. I said, no, my favorite is, is Oh five. When the, the Colts beat the bears. How about that? How about that? Now, how does it feel? Anyway? I, I, I don't know. I digress. Um, de- defensively or offensively. Yeah. I think that's where we've got to be. Sorry. I messed myself up there. All right. Score prediction. I'm jump, just jump into it. I'm going to say the Broncos win, and I think they score another 30 points. I'll say 31-17, Ooh, which will probably blow up in my face. Say that's a lot of trust in the defense, trust that I don't have. Uh, I, I watched this team up close and personal. It meant nothing, really. I was really far away, and it was just fun to be there with my son. But 
that feeling, that feeling of dread that I have right now uh, is, is holding firm. I, I'm going 31-28 Jets. I think the offense clicks. I think they score points. I just think the defense can't get it done in the end because that's what they have shown me throughout the course of the season aside from against the Bears on that fourth and one. And everybody in the stadium knew what they were going to do, and that's why that didn't work. And so I don't have a lot of confidence there. Uh, yeah, 31-28 Jets. That's where I'm at. And I don't like it. <laughs> All right. Shall we whip around the league a little bit, jump into the, the other games, the, the schedule? We could talk about Bears Commanders. They play no. They play Thursday night. Um, nope. No, thank you. Yeah, I don't really care about that game. So moving on. Let's go AFC West. Let's go ahead and see what's happening there. Uh, just because that's who we should focus on, I suppose. I suppose. Uh, and it's, what do we got? Chiefs, Vikings, and Raiders, Packers. And then Chargers have a bye this week, if I'm, if I'm not yep, mistaken. Chargers okay. have a bye. Yeah. So and they so we had the epic uh, Brandon Staley, Josh McDaniels, who's going to out... I don't want to say out coach, but out. Hmm. Huh. What, what, what would you call that? Who's, who's out Staley? Who's out go- McDaniel's the other? Uh, I I think McDaniel's is the one. Who's going to out McDaniel's the other one? Because you know how we feel about Josh McDaniel's. So yeah, who's going to out McDaniel's the other one? And, I, uh, I thought of it. Who who is going to be the one to get out of their own way faster? Ah, there you go. And I think they would get in their way, getting out of their own way, I, I, to get I, out of the way of themselves, getting out of their own way. I think the I think the Raiders are in deep trouble. I I think it's it's come out that he, now even Devontae Adams is unhappy. So that's because of Josh McDaniels, right? I not surprising. That's Shocker. what he does. What he, he thinks that he's <laughs> Bill Belichick. So couldn't happen to a better franchise. So I think the Packers win. It's going to be a Packers home game. The Chiefs should destroy the Vikings. The Vikings just don't have anything. I think what they did last year was a complete fluke to win as many close games as they did, especially with that guy at quarterback. So, yeah, I, I think the Chiefs are going to – they should absolutely handle the Vikings. You know, it's funny. The Chiefs and Vikings used to be the same team. They, they yeah, did. they did. They, they used Until to be the, the yeah. Chiefs got Patrick Mahomes. Uh-huh. Thanks, Chicago. Way to go, Chicago. Another another reason for us to just talk bad about Chicago. But, uh, yeah, two, I, agree, I agree with you on both of those. Two teams that are going in an opposite direction. I was impressed with the Bills. The way Josh Allen and the Bills played against the Miami Dolphins, I they could potentially have that window open. We'll see. What the hell is going on with Joe Burrow and the Bengals? Well, you they and don't then have an offensive line. The Cowboys. And I think I think Burrow is hurt more than yes. anyone is leading on. And I think we're going to get a good idea of how good the 49ers are on Sunday night football. Because the, the 49ers are at home. The Cowboys think they have this miraculous, magical defense. Let's see how they do against who I think you have a, two potential MVPs on this offense and Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. Let's see how this offense does against an actual really good offense. This defense does, the Cowboys defense, does against what I think is the best offense in football. 
Yeah, you know, you bring up a really good point there because that is that is the game of the week. I don't care what anybody says. That's the thing that I will be doing on Sunday night and you will be doing on Sunday. We'll all be watching Sunday night football. And it feels like we're back in the 90s. I mean, it's sort of like we've gone back in time a little bit. But the Cowboys have always appeared to be, in recent history, a paper tiger. They run into a team that exposes them. That happened with the Cardinals, although they had a bounce-back game last week. The 49ers are a different animal. And uh, you're right. That defense is very good in Dallas. There's no doubt about it. But this 49ers team is really, really, really good. All around. Defense is good. The offense is incredible. There are so many weapons on the field. You're not talking about just... Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey, but you have Debo Samuel. You have Brandon Ayuk. If George Kittle would ever stop blocking and actually catch a pass, he is dangerous as well. You have Kyle Shanahan calling plays and making that offense as good as it is, which hurts every time we say that as Bronco fans. But that team is the biggest test for the Dallas Cowboys. And I hope the Cowboys fail, even though I can't stand either team because I'm a Bronco fan and that's just the way it is. But I don't see the Cowboys coming out ahead, which could could mean that they are definitely going to win. I have no idea. And I just I look at that game, and I'm, ex- I'm excited for that football game. Here's the thing where I, I'm with Dallas. Do you trust Mike McCarthy? No. no. Do you trust Dak Prescott? No. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.